Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. So it's been a full season for the Under Pressure Outdoors crew in the Hasmore Outdoor Products Silent Seat. And let me tell you, they're worth every penny. And here are some reasons why. Number one, you can't beat the comfort level. Number two, they don't hold in moisture like rain or sweat. Number three, they completely fold out of the way when you stand up, giving you a full range of motion in your climber. And number four, they cut down on your setup and breakdown times dramatically. Don't just take our word for it. Use offer code UPO15 and get 15% off your silent seat and many other U.S.-made accessories for your climber today. You can find Hasmore Outdoor Products on Facebook and hasmore.net. That's H-A-Z-M-O-R-E dot net. And in the link in this podcast description. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. How are we going to have a Swanee River trip without the pirates? <laughs> And, and I, it made me think about, like, you know how they have the rendezvous, the BHA rendezvous, and people get together and tell stories? I mean, those guys, that, those stories they told there would definitely qualify to go in one of those big rendezvous, and yep. I think people get a kick out of that. Well, man. those was, guys also went through buds. I, I, they, they didn't, they weren't, they're not seals. Steve's a seal, but they're, they went through buds. They're bad dudes, and he's big anyway. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if you're, there was one point we had some other people in camp, and he was just off to his own self and I'm chopping up potatoes or something all of a sudden I hear him say we could overpower them <laughs> Keith yes sir this whiskey is amazing the exactly why we we stopped <laughs> buying it it is we call it the uh, angel nectar in our house and they have uh, not the um, plugging the the whiskey it's Cooper's but, Mark Cooper's uh, Mark Maple Flavored Bourbon Whiskey. And they have apple, and they've got a small batch, and they have a, um, what is it, a salted caramel. Ooh, I bet that's good. The maple is my favorite. Is we it? had probably, no, we've had every single flavor and always go back to the maple because it's like pancakes and getting drunk all at the same time. You know, <laughs> when Keith wraps up teaching and retires, he can jump right into the whiskey sales business. <laughs> He's got the name Keith O'Hara. He's got a good voice, got a good look to him, and that was a great summary. They well, should send you checks. Uh, they no, should, they should send us checks. I was right. <laughs> well, getting his career started. I was gonna say I'd have to do like a percentage over here, and you know, it's a founder's fee. Founder's fee. That's what it is. Oh, you do have the name for uh, either a pub or your own liquor. I'll tell you what, I get so many people who will give me O'Keefe instead of O'Hara, and then I'm like, should I tell them it's the wrong one? And then I have people, O'Hara, I'm like, that's the airport. Um, <laughs> that, but I had uh, someone who was, uh, I forget, it was either in my field of education, and I'm like, well, you really know that O'Keefe beer? They're like, they gave me the look like, oh. Uh, that's what I meant to say instead. 
So maybe what we should do is just buy a whole bunch of that and slap some under pressure outdoor stickers on it, and then go put it out on our website as our next product. <laughs> Keeps whiskey. Um, <clears throat> we'll just we'll just stick to buying like super cheap liquor and and cutting it with maple syrup and then doing. Um, I was gonna say what's that? Uh, what's that? Everclear prison made stuff they make called. Hooch. hooch, hooch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll just we'll just make some hooch and put some uh, maple syrup. I whatever it. happened to when uh, I think it was me, you, and somebody else was gonna make uh, some heart of palm moonshine. Yeah, I never got around to it. <laughs> that was, never that was many, many moons ago. I do see that no, y'all have something very valuable over there on the table, though. What's that? The beer salt. Oh, there's uh, two more of them back there. You want one? <laughs> you know that that came back to the studio. From the last fifty miler, because it wasn't in the studio. No, until we were all drinking beer salt. I, and now, I went. Now I went by the local now. liquor store and bought like four of those. I yeah, those like I brought six one months ago, and everybody demolished it. And then we had that redfish seasoning. Mm-hmm. You were the you were the Jesus. one that that brought it to the trip, right? Yeah. And then everybody was. I mean, yeah, how, how many bottles did you bring? I only brought one, and it lasted two days. It seemed like it lasted a good while. And Normally, then when it was gone, it was like yeah, everybody depressing. was like, "What are we gonna use now?" Well, before we dive any further into this, man, we're, uh, we got some events to talk about coming up. Uh, the Wood Duck Box build is done. Uh, it was great. We're going to talk about that tonight. But we have the Ducks Unlimited Dinner with UPO coming up in April on the 20th. And you can go to our website, uponation.co, and you can get the tickets there. And then we'll get you seated with UPO Nation at the Ducks Unlimited Dinner. Then after that, and you're going to hear tales regaled of years past this episode of the fourth annual, but now this year will be the fifth annual Swanee River Fishing Expedition. And then... Uh, Fishing at, Armada. It's going to be... we got quite a, quite a list of people lined up this year. They're going to have to widen the river. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we have... Uh, I don't know, man. I'm going to tell you, we're giving away a custom rifle. But by the time you hear this, we might have already given away a custom rifle. But if you're still, if I leave it in the episode and you're hearing this, there's probably not a lot of tickets left, so you better buy some tickets to the custom rifle. Yeah, we blew through like 35 tickets in the last two days. Yeah. And there's, there's only, only 250. 250. We're, we're approaching the, going to be telling you, hey, we have less than 100 tickets left, Mark. Yeah, we're not letting Keith out of here unless he buys one anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> I took his keys already. We're good. <laughs> oh, that's where they were. <laughs> but uh, we're giving away a custom-built uh, rifle from Deep Roots Rifle Company. And when we say custom-built, I'm not like, oh, yeah, we have a really nice rifle we're going to give to you if you win it. No. If you win this rifle, we then put you in contact with Deep Roots, and you have a list of things you can pick from, and then he builds your rifle. You're going to get to pick your stock profile, the color. You're going to choose between 300 Win Mag, 308, or 65 Creedmoor. It's going to come with a um, variable power 4 to 20, I believe, optic on top. 50 millimeter mounted, everything hard case, zeroed, ready to go right out the door. Sweet rifle. Carbon fiber stock, adjustable trigger. I mean, the works. You're not getting shorted by any means, especially because the tickets are only 25 bucks. And you left off the most important piece. The optional but not really airbrushed UPO logo on there. Yeah. Optional but not really. <laughs> is that like, is that you like win the, that rifle, you better get the logo. 
You can say no, but it's going on there anyway. Um, at, at the very minimum, a sticker to put on the stock there, right? Right. We'll slap one on the we'll slap one on the hard case on the outside, if nothing right. else. Uh, but it, like I said, it does come in a hard case. Like it is a legit, nice, custom built setup, and you're missing out by not buying a ticket. I mean, you could spend twenty five dollars on a lot worse things than a chance to win a custom rifle. On top of that, there's also a twenty three horsepower surface drive mud motor we're giving away a mud walker. That's fifty dollars a ticket, and only a hundred tickets. Yeah, no, about so. twenty-one of those is already have already sold. So there's only where's the mass kill? Seventy-nine of those left, and we'll probably knock out half of those before the podcast comes out. Yeah, because this is not coming out for another two weeks. Yeah, especially if the rifle sells and we go full bore on marketing that thing, though. Right, gone. But then you know you buy your tickets to the crawfish bowl on May twentieth, and there's gonna be like ten thousand dollars plus in prizes there. For you to to win that sweet dude, I really want that daggum pellet rifle that that Sid just got donated. Yeah, mm. I want twenty two caliber twelve shot revolving pellet rifle. It's nasty, just mm. straight nasty. Squirrel killing machine. I'd get myself oh, yeah. in so much trouble though if I had that gun. <laughs> I oh, was gonna yeah. say that's gonna be dangerous if I win it because my wife would take it away from me. Seminole Forest ain't going to know what to do next year. All right. The squirrels are going to be like, holy crap, he just fell out of the tree. Where did that shot come from? Yeah. He's been rather quiet lately, but I have a feeling when that thing goes in the market, we're going to see a whole lot more of Cameron Gordon on the podcast or on the, uh, on the webpage. Oh, I don't doubt it. It's a small game killing machine. Yeah. And it's not, it ain't your granddaddy's pellet gun. I mean, it, like I said, it's, it's no, there's no, you're doing that once you're pumping it up to what is it? 200 bar uh and you're getting i'm not sure how many shots i have to read the specs on it how many shots you get out of one tank filled tank yeah but i know you can most of the time you can pump those things up with a bike pump i wouldn't recommend it that's a lot of pumping but you could get the air cylinders refilled or get a big uh tank and refill your own cylinder but they're badass and then there's fishing trips and iguana hunting trips and deep sea fishing trips and inshore trips and freshwater trips and and propellers and, and scallops propellers. and shotguns duck hunting trips and, and shotguns and duck hunting trips and uh and I think I got oh you guys don't know John I think I got a case of absolutely primo like fifty to seventy to five dollar bottle wines Ooh. coming but it's not hopefully by the time this comes out I'll have that in the in the books and then there's Coolers and uh, coolers and shotguns and good lord. Listen, there is no telling how much more stuff we're gonna have by the time the boil comes around. Um, no, seriously, you guys, people you guys are really coming. Buy tickets though, because if if not, if there's like, if like twenty people show up, it's gonna be like you get a prize, you get a prize, you get a prize, you get a prize. <laughs> We've had so many people, and we got oh man, we got to talk about Nardella and Nardella Law Firm, who Roman Hamas. That's who Roman Hamas's practice through practices through in Florida. They just dropped twenty five hundred dollars on this thing to help us offset a bunch of yeah. costs. So if we don't sell tickets, ten cans already getting a fair amount of money. And with as much stuff as we're getting donated, if we were some selfish fellas, we wouldn't sell any more tickets. We would just be walking home with loot after loot after loot. <laughs> We'd Look, win it all. We're cooking so much crawfish this year. We literally have an entire trailer. 
dedicated, like a food truck dedicated to cooking crawfish. This isn't the crawfish bowl of the past where you're like, look at them boys running two big bots. No. 600 pounds at a time. 600 pounds at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be late. Yeah, no kidding. There may no, not be any no rolling in at three o'clock this time. It won't yeah. be. It all cooked and be gone. So if you're listening to this, there, there's a poker run. It's going to start first thing in the morning. You're going to run that, and then we'll come in about twelve thirty ish. We're going to start eating, serving crawfish, and that's going to run until uh, either. Well, I'm going to say it starts at twelve thirty. It's going to run until crawfish is gone. We'll eat it till it's gone, right? Or everybody's done eating crawfish, and I'll take the rest home, and I'll be real fat and happy when I get there. At Three o'clock, or right around the three o'clock mark, we'll do all the raffle prize drawings. And then, uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not forcing people to leave at four, but that's when the event ends. Oh, and to share the wealth a little bit, if for some reason you listen to this and you're staying down and you're too far south or you think that coming out to see us up on Lake Harney is just a little too far, don't forget there is another event that same day, a bunch of dudes doing a mud run down in Lake Kissimmee. Man, for some reason, I can't remember the name of the park they're taking off of. Do you remember? I don't either. One or eight, there's a bunch of good dudes also putting on another event, and we want to make sure we're not stepping on their toes, but uh, just make sure you're getting out there and having some fun on May 20th. The weather's going to be great, we hope. (laughs) It should be, and get out on the water. Jim, you say Lake Harney, but I just want to clarify that the run is actually going to take place on Puzzle Lake. I keep I keep forgetting that it's actually at the Jolly Gator. In my mind, I keep imagining uh, where we had it last year. Uh, no. Nope. They nope. said, you guys have gotten too big. I think it's better. I love. Oh, I agree, Gator, too. And that spot is just great. I agree, too. The Jolly Gator was generous enough to literally donate the the venue to us. Free of charge, the Jolly Gators is they're they're taking their uh, money out of beer sales. So come there, you get your beer from Jolly Gator, and have a good time. Well, first let's talk about the success of the Wood Duck Box build. Finally came to fruition, and now we have fifty-eight boxes plus seven rehab boxes. Yeah, plus Joey put another one out, and then. Uh... Next week we're gonna have Deidre Brown in. She's got one out in uh, in her, behind the place that she lives. So when it's all said and done and they're all out, we we're definitely gonna be north of sixty, if not close to seventy, boxes that our Wood Duck Initiative is either rehabbed or got out. So I don't know what that's actually gonna translate into ducks, but probably more than we will kill next season. Yeah, we're, we're putting more in than we're gonna take out. <laughs> I'd really kill that many. <laughs> well, I just wanted to get easier. You could try. There you go. You know what? The, I gotta say, I was just thinking about it. When we were putting out boxes, the very last box I put out, I stopped in a spot to like see about putting a box out there. But there was a small cypress tree and it had a hole in it. And I was like, let me look in here. So I took a picture of it with my phone, and the inside of the tree was hollowed out, but the nest inside was made of almost nothing but bones. Ooh. You know, me and Briar uh, were on his boat, saw saw a, a nest in a cypress tree, or a hole in a cypress there tree, was, and, and chose to set our box further away out of sight because of that hole. There was one on each side. Yeah, there's a hole on each side of it. I don't know if they connected in the middle. It's very possible they did. Maybe. But well, if it's all bones, that wasn't a wood duck unless it's dead wood ducks. <laughs> but yeah. it might have been an owl, but yeah. 
Uh, we did. Oh, good lord! Yeah, man, what yeah. is that? That's definitely was a duck at one time. Something got it. You can see the bill on the skull and everything. Wow, that's interesting. Put, put that up on the site. Yeah, put that up on the. We'll put that up on the UPO oh, Nation. No. There are shot doors page. Maybe a coon. There are almost certainly ducks in the early boxes we got out, no doubt, because we we actually pulled up on boxes that we intended to rehab because other people at one time or another they just screwed the screwed the whole thing tight as a drum. So we went to go fix them. And we pulled up on a box that we know was empty the week before. Pulled up on it. Jason starts trying to tear the top off using a mall, knocking the old screws out because their screws were all so rusted that we couldn't get a screwdriver on them. Nothing moved, nothing, nothing, nothing. And as soon as the top popped off, this wood duck stuck his head up like, <laughs> and started moving around. We're like, oh, put the top back on. We were worried we blew the nest, but she didn't come out. She stayed. And then we pulled up on an old one in Dead River to check it out. Duck in there. So she was ready to whoop your whoop your ass. You wouldn't have sticken your hand down in that box. Probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but so we, we, all total, we ran across four boxes that had ducks. We got ours late. Got out a little bit late, which would tell me that there's. I didn't want to disturb them, but I'm sure that some of those other boxes we put out earlier, late-ish ducks. So you have ducks that are wood ducks now that are making a nest. You're going to have wood ducks that are going to make nests for the next few months, and we'll see even later than that. Because I mean, we're banning ducks in August, and those I'm, we're catching babies that are too small to put bands on. So young of the year this year, they're not going to have a nest until later. Which is great, especially if you find, you know, that, it, that that duck that's nesting in a box right now means she either couldn't find available natural nest or she was raising a nest last year and she'll naturally seek another box to make a nest in. You know, I just thought about it. Um, I actually have to send that lady the uh, the pins to our boxes because I, I sent her a link to the the event mm-hmm. told her to come out and she was like i'm not gonna make it but she's still when she's in town doing her uh banding yeah she still goes and checks boxes and records a bunch of data from the boxes and everything oh, is awesome. that Alyssa? Oh, yeah Alyssa. yeah Alyssa. Yeah, uh, one step ahead of you yeah oh did you already send it to her no not yet oh. still preparing it okay but i'll take the dang uh onyx thing in uh, the folder and, and post it to the under pressure outdoors page if you guys have onyx you want to pick it up and look at the boxes see where we've got all these boxes set out but if you steal our boxes we're coming i'll know it because they'll be good <laughs> they won't be on the pen anymore uh well, no, but, we'll <laughs> yeah jokes on you uh i didn't put them anywhere near where i hunt so yeah you're sol there yeah. you gotta be a cold son of a bitch if you steal somebody's wood duck box though so. we had a guy think we were stealing one yeah, but we've—he hadn't rehabbed it in sixteen years or something like that, so we did. It's good now. What's the management look like, or what's that plan coming up for, like next year? Um, so once they've gone through and and they've gone in their nest, how do you guys go about like getting them ready for the next year? So we. Uh, let's, let's before we do that. Let's go over how we built these wood duck boxes. Okay. They're built out of uh, like sewer pipe. What what was the 13, 14 inch diameter to give you a twelve inch inside diameter sewer pipe? Thirteen. 
and your you know we cut a section out foot and a half long two feet sure. angle the top flat on the bottom cedar top i think we had pt on the bottom yeah uh recycled recycled wood on the bottom and then we put a hinge on the top and right. the bottom so and each of those uh hinge sections is held together by baling wire right so you're going to be able to go in there after season uh this will be literally almost right after duck season next year okay. early in february sometime we'll okay. run back out there put another event together and we'll run to all these boxes and you'll just have bags of media right so what you're gonna do at that point is uh first you want to check in the box use like the camera on your phone make sure that something isn't already nested in there because if you have an active nest with a duck in it just right. leave it alone all right um and then if not you'll undo your wire dump the old media out open the top close the bottom dump new media in Lock it back together gotcha. and adios. You're good Skip, to go. Skipped one step. We should yeah. probably take an egg tally. Meaning, oh, yeah, yeah, <clears> yeah, open yeah. it up, see how many eggs are still left in the didn't hatch. Because usually they, they clutch like between 12 and 15 eggs. So if you've got three left, I understand that there's some usable data there that they can, that if you start finding 10, 12 eggs, there's, there's a problem. But if you're finding three and four eggs, we're supposed to record that stuff and you know, somebody uses that. Yeah, we want to know when we go back to check if there's, you know, right. obviously the ultimate success to see out of the box is we look in the box and there's egg shells in the box. Okay. Like, that's great. Did you what get... we don't want to find in the box is uh, you look in the box and there's a few egg shells and a snake skin. Right. That... Raccoons. Yeah. Dead duckling. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, dead birds. We found one of them. Mm-mm. Yeah, I found a couple. Found found eggs that were where you could see that it was interesting. I mean, you found where the, the duckling just ran out of gas before it hatched the the egg would be you could see it was, it was cracked open right where it had been pecking its way out and just didn't have the juice to to get all the way out of the egg i found two like i would that. i would say finding a dead duckling in the nest box is not necessarily a bad thing because there's a hundred different reasons why that duck that oh, yeah. duckling could have died finding something evidence of like a, like a snake skin where there definitely was a predator in the yeah. box that's a little different because i mean you can have a duckling die of natural causes in the box and can't you know whatever well that avian flu still going around i think every year uh what about putting like a game cam or something on the inside to kind of just did you guys think about that you're taking up a lot of space inside that box trying to do that um, and the financial commitment, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> you give us one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, we'll, we'll rig the whole place up. Well, I just meant one or two, just just to kind of see what's going on, maybe on uh, somewhere where you don't see, or you do see a lot of wood ducks, just to see what they're doing. Ducks it's, Unlimited it's, does have a program where I think you order the gym, you have to sponsor it or something, okay. and provide it with the internet connection. Okay. And they have some sort of, I don't know what the camera is exactly that they put in there. If you'll give us the box. power and access to your router, I'll tell you right now, I'll build you a box and put it out there, but um, you know, just you got to have some faith in us that we're not going to come pirate your data. We need to have access to your router, and we have to have power to the box. Yeah. Because the batteries will kill you. I guess we could get you solar. solar charge it. Yeah, but we're, we're yeah. going to need 200 bucks to do that. Realistically, yeah. they do it right. I don't think that that uh, may be something in the distant future, but not right now. Yeah. Uh, if we had a nest, like if we if five years from now, we had a, ne- a box that was every year slam full of success. We see right. all the signs of success. Then maybe it'd be cool to try and rig something up like that so that we could watch it. Yeah. We do got one in the Dead River. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but I don't know. That, that'd be neat. By the way, you guys did a great job on that box at Dead River. I had to pin, and I drove right by that sucker. I mean, it's <laughs> we hit, and it. it's not it's not super hidden, but because of the way we, the color of the box is the way we painted them, and where you put that in, man, you could drive right by that thing all day and never never notice it. It's not super hidden, but it's we snuck it back in amongst the natural cypress in a nice little cove right there. The water was just shallow enough, and the bottom was good and hard, and it locked in good where it was, and she's good to go. Yeah. How, how close were you to that box that I set that we were on the phone about when you were trying to find it on the south end oh, of Harris? It was, I think that your pin is a little bit south of where it actually is. And then when you're talking about an old rickety dock, and I was like, well, I'm looking at an old rickety dock, but it was much smaller than the, when I looked further north. Oh, it's a on the huge lake, old like, rickety oh. dock, yeah. And then I found it. And those, by the way, that's not cane. Those are bananas. <laughs> well, there's but but it's there's bananas, but there's like cane yeah, into the right is. of the bananas. Yeah, I forgot about the bananas. Right, where I said, "Hey, buy the banana trees." <laughs> so it's that lake, Little Lake Harris. So this is a little segue for coming up on March eighth. There's going to be an Apopka spray meeting. Little Lake Harris used to have a lot more hydrilla in it, and um, it was really ducky, and it's not very ducky anymore because they just crushed it. So we need to have, you know, that's important why we go on. We need to go to that meeting on in Winter Garden on March 8th to just let it be known that, hey, man, there's other people that use that lake and other things that use the lake. We don't want it to click a bathtub. So here's here's what I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not anti-spray, but no. I think there are places that are prime for mechanical harvest and i think that the lake apopka is definitely one of them when i pulled into lake beauclair and i looked out the side of the boat and i said holy shit that's six feet of water and i can see the bottom i have never in my 32 years of life living in this area ever seen the bottom of that lake until now no but that that's actually good news man that means that all the efforts that they're doing in lake apopka right are working but one of the reasons it's working is because the plant life in there is filtering the water coming out of Lake Apopka, which ultimately feeds everything else down through there. And naturally, years ago, before the lock system was in, that lake just flowed whoa, straight into the rest of them because yeah. it's got springs on it and stuff like that. And now you have the locks. Water still flows through. They have cleaning systems just north of the locks that help clean more water. But the hydrilla in Lake Apopka is, I mean, we just had Kenny Steverson in here and... He, because of the improvement in the Harris chain, he was able to win that yeah. that Toyota Series tournament. Yeah, well, they've already they've already whacked back the mat quite a bit, and and needs to be maintained. Right, and I think that's our voice. And uh, Newton Cook would be a great person to have in on that about what the the formula is for what they'd like to see in total cover. Right, because they um, hopefully hopefully over time Lake Harris will come back a little bit um, and be. You know, we're going to raise a bunch of ducks out there, but it'd be nice if we actually could kill them out there too. So uh, the thing is, you're too, spot man, naming. Like, Go hydrilla, ahead. <laughs> hy- yeah, right. It's huge. Have fun. Hydrilla um, creates heat, which we don't need hotter water. <laughs> Not in Florida. No. Not in Florida. Uh, which in turn, you know, hot water has less oxygen in it. That's how it kills all fish. It is not. It is a. It's not. A, it's not evil as much as it's an anti-hero, right? It's not good, 
but it's not bad. But again, it's not good. I may be wrong, but I'd be willing to bet that the reason that it puts off heat is because it is a surface water plant. I mean, it grows on the bottom, but it, it reaches surface. And it probably collects more sunlight, being that it's closer to the surface. Probably. Yeah, I don't think it generates heat. I think yeah. it traps heat. Yeah. 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 But regardless, that's how yeah. FWC Mo- maps on. stuff, looking at, <laughs> looking at uh, thermal layers on the water. You can see yeah. the hydrilla because of the heat. Sit tight. We'll be right back with a word from our sponsors. As we move through life, it's inevitable that we're going to find ourselves needing trusted advice from legal counsel. From business transactions to real estate, lawsuits to contract matters, we all need advice and assistance from time to time. Attorney Roman Hammis' multi-state law practice focuses on litigation, business law, and real estate. Roman helps individuals and business owners find solutions to their legal problems. If push comes to shove, Roman is an experienced litigator with extensive trial experience and the ability to take it all the way. He's been named Super Lawyer every year from 2016 to present, a distinction given to only 5% of practicing lawyers. Most importantly, Roman is an avid hunter, angler, conservationist, and proud supporter of the UPO Nation. When you need dependable legal counsel, call Roman, 407-680-6050 or... 843-324-1727. Or email roman at romanvhamis.com. That's R-O-M-A-N at R-O-M-A-N-V-H-A-M-M-E-S dot com. Offices Florida and South Carolina. But yeah, I think you know, and FWC's probably got this a little bit dialed in, right? But I mean, as far as it, like you were saying, it's it's good at sometimes, it's bad at sometimes, and um, it's just finding that that sweet spot of like maybe like spraying after the season, you know? Um, they're they're or, pinched. They, they really are. They're pinched, and you'll have you'll have people out there that would just assume pave the lake and turn it into a swimming pool. And you'd have other folks that would let it run to just where you, you could walk across it. So there, you know, and it depends on. But when you, if you've been, ever been to a spray meeting, there are a lot of people that have opinions at both ends of the spectrum, and very few. And I think that a lot of the people that we cultivate in our circles um, aren't that way. They understand that there's some place in the middle, and we need to have voices of reason. <clears throat> So I'll say my opinion on it is we need just with any of our uh, conservation things we do across the United States is we, we follow the science. But we also have to understand that the same science that we're trusting was also at one time the science that killed the lake. So because... <laughs> How they got the hydrilla in the first place. Right. Well, not not necessarily the hydrilla, but the farming practices. Those farmers weren't farming on the North Shore of Lake Apopka to kill Lake Apopka. There was no intention to do that. But they didn't know any better. Because science is always changing and evolving, and we we learn as we go. Uh, But 
we hope for the best and do everything we can with the best known practices we have and we continue to try and but we have to stay open to new ideas i do want to say if you want to talk about some clean water the fifth annual swanee trip yes there That's, is, that is some beautiful springs that is some of the the uh dirtiest clear water you've ever seen in your life though it's tanning. The Swanee River is tanning. Yeah. And I hate that when people are like, huh, nah, the water's nasty. I'm like, yeah, but if you take a glass and you scoop up that brown water and look at it, it's not as dirty as it looks like it is. When you hold it to the light, it's just the tannic from the trees and the leaves and makes it look like sweet tea, the sweet tea water. Yeah, it's I, not I know my water. feet was brown for two weeks after that trip. It's the tannic acid so, staining your feet, yeah. <laughs> my Crocs are still brown. I know my ribs were blue after trying to get back in the canoe after, the, after floating <laughs> in the try, Trying to look like a beached whale climbing up on there. <laughs> he looked like a walrus trying to get up on the cliff there. Well, before we get too far to Swanee, though, we should we brought Al and we brought mm. Keith. Man, and I forgot we haven't even introduced everybody. No, no we, we haven't. Do we have a packed, absolutely packed room? Like it's It's getting a little hot in here, a little hotter than normal. Um, so I'm your host, Will Krebs. We got Jordan in here tonight. I'm here. Let's get it. We got Jim. Yes, sir. We got Briar. How y'all? We got Mr. Matthew Tippins all the way from Panama City in the studio. How y'all doing? We've got Keith O'Hare on his first ever uh, debut on the show. Thanks for having me. O'Hara, sorry. We had this conversation earlier. Yep. Keith O'Hara. <laughs> it's not the airport. Not the airport. Yeah. And then uh, Al Solano. You guys have heard Al before. Hey. He's, he's no new no new guy. Only but shows Keith, up for the hard stuff. I was like, yeah, Keith and Al always show up for the hard stuff. Yeah. It's uh, vital members of the Underfresh Outdoors Nation. Guys you can always count on to be there when the work is done. And they also show up for the play, too. Oh, yeah. But I got an excuse. I got five hours to drive. Yeah, well, Matt, Matt just happens to be in town for work this week. so here he, Or the next couple weeks. So you'll hear from him uh, over the next couple weeks as he comes and joins us in the studio just to hang out. How about those two guys that came, I guess, from Palm Bay for the wood duck install? They drove... Palm Beach. Palm Beach. My mistake. Uh, that was a, quite a drive to get up there by 8 a.m. I mean, I didn't really get to talk with them or, or really get their names or meet them. But, I mean, bravo for coming up just just for... It only turned out to be the morning. Yeah. We made pretty quick work <clears throat> of getting those boxes in. Yeah, I think we had some, peop- some a few people come. I mean, we had... Uh, Steve, we had Steve come. What Steve drove like two hours, mm-hmm. three, yeah, three hours. Yeah, jeez. I mean, we we had honestly more people than I expected. And when I pulled into the parking lot, I expected maybe some people without boards and stuff. And then next thing you know, it's like mud boat after mud boat after mud boat. I'm like, okay, like I can. Yeah. Lawnmower going on. <laughs> People are like, what on earth are all these lawnmowers parked out in the dang? And we just so happened to pull up and have the dang. I'm glad we chose the boat ramp we did uh, because it's so large. Uh, but that was also happened to be the day the Lake County Sheriff's Office bass tournament. When I pulled in there at 6:30 in the morning, admittedly, I left half the wood duck boxes at my house and had to come back and get them. But there's already, I mean. A hundred cars there, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I, I do got to say, when because we put out uh, seven boxes on Little Harris, and uh, the crew that I was with, every time they're like, "Hey, where's?" Because I had you know we had the little thing of pens, and I'm looking up. We'd put one out, and I'd look up the coordinates for the next one, and we'd go to it, and they're like, "Where's it at?" I'm like, "Right where that guy's bass fishing." Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, it's like right on the weeds. I'm like, ah, oh, literally almost every single one we went to, somebody was parked up at bass fishing. That's how you know you're in a good spot for baby ducks. Yeah. 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 To get eat by the bass? Well, I mean, but they they hide in the same things the bass hide, you know, just on the surface versus under the water. You know, the crazy thing to me was being out there and they had this big bass tournament and these guys were fishing like right in the path that you would, you know, most boats are taking mm-hmm. to travel through the lakes and stuff. Yeah. And, and I just thought, I mean, I'm no champion bass fisher, but just didn't seem like good spots that, or that I would choose to fish at, you know? Yeah, well, it's all about I, get, catching I, a rattle trap in the face. Yeah, I can yeah. tell you, uh, <laughs> a lot of times when you're fishing, they're kind of trying to fish, they'd be right off the edge of what is the channel because there's that deep drop which creates the thermoclines and the bass will sit in different levels across that and they can come up out of the, they can bring a lure up out of the deep back into the shallow. Right. It's all about the bottom of the water, the bottom of the lake and the depth where the boats are generally directed to run versus the shallower water, cooler water, more oxygenated water, yeah. stuff like that. I bet you whoever won that that day was using the Beatles pen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would Beatles Beatles pen wise, we went uh, dad gum after some brim, what probably a month or so ago, and used Beatles pens tore them up. So, Easton Easton went uh, the Sunday after the duck box thing, caught seventy. He said he only kept thirty because he didn't feel like cleaning seventy. So, and Jake has already spent over a hundred dollars on. Beetle Jake's spins, got like four hundred beetle spins. I know everything. He he came up on a garage sale, and it was just beetle spins after beetle spins. He's like, "Yeah, I just went to the ATM. I bought all of them." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good dude. Oh, then he got man. mad at me. He's like, "Why are you gonna post pictures of the secret secret beetle spins?" I'm like, <laughs> Got to try and get traffic for my buddy to sell some. Why didn't Why didn't you bring them down here with you? I wanted to see them because they literally got delivered last night. To oh us. man, you'll see them whenever there's a fish on them. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet Matt Matt had them. Matt had beetle spins made to look like little crawfish. Nice, because all oh, them specs we was catching last year, those all almost all of them had crawfish in their mouth. So I was like, I bet you I could get somebody to make something. I catch some fish off of that. Yeah, now here's the funny thing about Matt's beetle spins, okay? So when Matt originally ordered these, he we're talking I'm talking to Matt on the phone. He's like, Yeah, I told him I told him I wanted the three ounce heads. I said, Do what? He said, Yeah, I said three three ounce three ounce beetle spins. I said, Matt that's like a dang surf fishing weight. <laughs> pop somebody in a canoe, they're gonna know it, yeah. bonk. I said, I think you might want like, I don't know. <laughs> Not even three eighths of an ounce. Three eighths of an ounce is a pretty dang big weight for for fishing like that. And he's like, "Well, I wanted the big heads." I was like, "Yeah, if he got those heads, they'd have been about the size of a half dollar with a beetle spin on the back of it." Hey, I guarantee you, I'd have hooked whatever I needed to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's rocks we, and trees and everything else. That's what we, that's what we got Tristan for. <laughs> I think that's what we use for our uh, duck decoys. Three. Three ounces? Probably, yeah. The whole duck decoys on the bottom. You know what? That's on six. A million years from now, some anthropologist comes and you know starts going through the, the old Swanee riverbed, and they're going to be like, what the hell are all these beetle spins doing? <laughs> <laughs> so my idea behind that was if I see a sturgeon jump, I could just throw it out here and hook him, bring him into me. You hit it hard enough, you might get a clean pass-through <laughs> with a three-ounce weight. <laughs> That's the plan, man. We're going to bring in some flying fish. <laughs> Good Lord. So, uh, 
uh, you know, earlier we mentioned, that's a terrible segue, right? But earlier we mentioned that you guys always show up for the hard stuff. And, you know, as, uh, especially Keith, this is your first time in here. It is. What, um, what drives you to do it? Um, I think what drives me to do it right now, uh, it came from COVID. A lot of people kind of took up some new activities. And one of the things that, um, that I'm trying to do with my son is to get him out and doing things and getting a teenager to do something besides be on, be on a uh, tablet or a game and just be inside and antisocial because during COVID, all we could do to get out was to go, let's go hunting, let's go fishing. Right. Um, so right now, as he's a week away, a week and a day away from 15, I'm trying to show him that there's a whole lot more out there and to be a good role model on this is what hard work is. If you want to get it done, this this is what you need to do. We had some success this year, right? With, uh, in fact, he went out with uh, Captain Briar. We did, and uh, we had two firsts. Our first thing, and I don't know if Briar told you, um, before shooting light, we had our first decoy attacked by an alligator. <laughs> yeah, that was the first. I got pictures, Keith, of the teeth marks in that, that decoy. Th- that's right, and uh, Sean may have been a little... Uh, a little bit of sleep at that point. We told him that story. He's like, why didn't you wake us up? I'm like, why were you sleeping? <laughs> um, I don't so know. I've, you, seen, I've seen Sean sleeping at, at like 10 o'clock on a dove field sitting in a chair. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I've got that picture too. Um, so, yeah, that that is his norm. Our first season that we went duck hunting, it was almost set my clock at 9 a.m. He would be out on the kayak and he'd be sleeping. Um but he, you know, it's it's tough as a kid. They're getting up early. They're not they're not used to it. Um, but that's what I'm trying to do with him. Trying to get him to say, "Hey, this is what hard work is. This is how you get a duck. This is how you get get it done. It's not just what you see on YouTube. It's not, you know, a an uh, outfitter taking you to a, a loaded field or a loaded pond. It's it's you got to put in time in, in order to be successful. So I mean, you talk about YouTube and what you see on YouTube. I mean, you, you see these guys go, but social media in general is full of nothing but peaks. Life is peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. People on social media, uh, nobody gets on social media at least anybody popular, and they're like, "Well, this is the worst day we've ever had." Right? Well, no, nobody cares about that. They want to see your limits. Oh yeah, but. What you what I think people fail to miss out on is is the work that goes into it because we don't it doesn't get shown a lot, right? And, and those are the things as, as I'm trying to get him get him into it. Uh, what did we do that was successful? We we walked seven miles. Well, when would we walk seven miles outside of hunting? Um, when would we see this much wildlife? And his first season, we're into our third season. We both were learning, you know, what does this track mean? Let's take a picture of it. Let's put something next to it to see how big it is. And we started doing all those things and having that father-son kind of time. So that kind of goes in with another kind of 
big part of his life, which is Boy Scouts. And the conservation kind of goes right into, you know, Boy Scouts, hunting. It's, it's kind of... Um, it's a little more than what Boy Scouts are. They're, they'll they'll do rifle shoots, they'll do uh, BBs, shotguns, uh, archery, but it's for targets. So right. this is the, this is the step further into okay. Now we're actually going to track. Now you know hunting isn't just harvesting. That's like maybe five percent when you actually harvest an animal. If and, you're if you're having a five percent five percent of your hunting is harvesting, I think you're doing pretty dang good. In, in in total, I mean, if, you, if especially if you're if you're hunting public land, yes, ninety eight percent of your work that goes into hunting, the hunt is is finding where you might have that one percent chance at harvesting something. That's, you get to be up my age, and since ten percent of it's napping. <laughs> really? You better get good. If I told y'all how I hunted with my father-in-law, y'all would laugh. Nobody cares, man. Oh. <laughs> hey, we get in the blind. I want to hear it. We get in the blind. I go to sleep. He taps me. Oh, that's terrible. You, you are. Oh, you gonna shoot that deer? Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe. So the hat's not lucky. We get your father. Whatever hat your father-in-law is wearing. Yeah. I guess you're lucky to have a father-in-law that'll wake you up when you when a deer step out. What yeah, it is? Yeah, because he's like, I've shot enough deers over my time. He's like, I enjoy seeing you shoot one more than I enjoy shooting one, and he don't want to pay the processing fees. <laughs> <laughs> so the morning I shot that big deer this year, he shot one. He's like, I ain't got no room for it. I said, I'll take it. Then I went that evening. I shot one. I said. Now I gotta pay for two. <laughs> it's all worth it when the frying pan comes out. Though. Yeah, but that, that processing fee hits you, hits you where it hurts. Get you a meat grinder. Get after it, man. I'm I'm going through this year. You don't need a meat grinder. You need a sharp knife. We'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> I just need a gym. That's what I need. I need a gym. If you'll bring it down here, I'll process it for you. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. If I get get the first deer, I'm probably calling Jim. I'd be like, hey, can I come over to your house and uh, we work on this thing? Right? <laughs> that is an open invitation. If I had more freezer space, or more, not freezer space, if I had more refrigerator space, I would be happy to let people bring their deer to my place and just just let it age out, man. It only takes about seven to ten days. Um, but if you let that animal, you get the hot, knock the hair and the hide off it, man, but... Just let it sit there about seven to ten days. Get a nice pellicle on that meat. Take that pellicle off, and you can do most. You can do an awful lot of the muscle separation with your fingers, and then just and you get these nice roasts. But but that's a I man. We'll, we could bog down on that for another look, hour. So you see, out here's the real trick, though. You're you're talking about. I'm going to bring it over to Jim, and he's. I'm going to I'm going to help him. I'm going to do some of the work. He's going to teach me something. If you're in the podcast studio every week, Jim will go out. He'll he'll kill the deer. He'll drag the deer. <laughs> He'll process the deer, <laughs> then he'll cook it and bring it for you to eat. There you go. Sorry, guys. There, I just didn't have enough time. I was going to do smothered. I was going to do smothered uh, backstrap medallions in a whiskey cream sauce, literally because of a post I saw Matt Tippins make about smothered pork chops. And I looked at that recipe. That was pretty good, but that ain't good enough. And then I ran out of time. So maybe next week. Yeah. There's a. Uh, Two more rifle tickets gone. 
To get all Sweet. that from Jim, though, you got to have a doe tag. That way he can go shoot your doe. <laughs> I shot yeah. my own doe this year. <laughs> but these fellas, I brought, shot that doe, then came to a podcast, and these fellas helped me uh, do the dirty work on it. So thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, we crammed that whole entire doe. It was a good-sized doe. We crammed that whole doe in Eco 110. Biggest doe killed in Seminole Forest this season. Hey, there you go. <laughs> but if you cut the legs off of it and turn the neck sideways, you can still stuff it inside an Eco 110. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. So, well, Al, how about you, man? I mean, like I said, you've had the, we met years ago. We did a forest cleanup of backcountry hunters and anglers in Ocala. That's the first time I, I'd seen your name, right. like doing fishing things. And you showed up, you had the uh, TRCP t-shirt on, and it was a hot, miserable day. And then all of our, all the places we were supposed to be able to discard the trash all of a sudden locked up on us. And you followed us all over half of Central Florida, and stuck it out to the Leaf end. Lake County. And I was like, "This, this is a guy we got to get closer to." Yeah, definitely being associated with you guys, I've learned a lot more about Lake County. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, because I'd never stepped foot in Lake County before meeting you guys. But, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I love it out here. But no, uh, I mean, I, I do it all because I feel like, um, you know, I'm still learning. Uh, like Keith, I mean, I'm in my third, third season you know, uh, learning about hunting. And, um, so any opportunity I get to just do something outdoors, whether it's for conservation or small game hunt or whatever, I want to be on it <clears throat> from all aspects of it. Um, I don't think you can just go out and say, Hey, I'm just going to go, you know, do the easy stuff and, and hunt or, you know, try to take advantage of the the good opportunities. I think you got to be part of it from, the beginning to the end if you can and um and learn i mean that's that's the only way you become really knowledgeable i think or that's i feel like if i'm involved in everything or as much as i can get into the better you know makes me a better outdoorsman and um i think collectively all that information just helps you you know amen you know i think there's another common thread here if i'm not mistaken your first hunting success was on the Captain Briar, right? That's right, man. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. So that was a good. So, so Jim and Briar invited me to go out on uh, on Briar's boat, and, and I won't say where we went, but um, we went uh, moorhen hunting. And uh, oh, oh, that one, yeah. That's and right. we had a we had a great time. We we definitely got a lot of moorhen, and I remember uh, Briar, and I think it was Briar. You told me. Don't think hunting is like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> it ain't always going to be this easy. And sure enough, I mean, that was probably one of the easiest hunts I've been on. So, But it was a lot of fun. And, um, I yeah, love. I, I enjoy it. I love moorhen season. You come off the... I know a lot of guys start their hunting season with alligator season. But moorhen season, we're probably going to make it hard by talking about it. Moorhen season is like a gift. So few people hunt them. <laughs> you, you know, nobody's had the shotgun in their hands since turkey season. And you're out there, and once you figure out, they're patchy, but once you get on the moorhen patch, it's a it's an easy day to put a lot of meat in the boat. And there's so many people that um, just think, well, they're, they're blackbirds, they must not taste good. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. You, know, you just got to learn how to cook them a little bit, but... It is a gift, man. It's the weather's still hot. You know, it's, you get a sunburn when you're hunting. 
you know, but you could still be wrapped up by nine thirty, ten o'clock and have a bunch of birds in the boat. You've gone through a bunch of shotgun shells. I love moorhen season. I, I have never looked. <clears throat> I mean, I look forward to moorhen season every year, but not like I am this year. Because oh, the kids get to go. Oh, yeah. The Ryland's got oh, the 410. The 410 is going to eat this year. And <laughs> I told my wife, I said, hey, September 1st is on a Friday. She's like, yeah. I said, Ryland's not going to school, school that day. Take a shotgun to work day. Yeah. <laughs> we going? <laughs> we are going. going. Yes, I'm sir. All, I'm all about it. I don't even need to bring a shotgun. I'm taking the day off work, <laughs> pulling the kid out of school. We're going to go kill some more hens. So Sean got his first, uh, harvested his first animal, more hen. So we're, we're, Moorhen hunting, waiting for him to take his first shot. Maybe missed a couple, but got his first moorhen. It was there were three of them. He shot the one in the middle. They both looked back. I said, "You want to shoot the other two? He's like, "Why? They're not even moving. There's no sport in it." That's <laughs> <laughs> half the fun, buddy. <laughs> take it when you can get it, son. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, yeah. You know they don't they don't fly much, but they will run mock Jesus across the top of lily pads. Oh, no. Morhen on the wing is like a trophy in itself, man. Yeah. And then uh, look here, you get that one that ain't that's crippled, but you think he's dead till you pick him up, and them claws will get you. Now. You're in a knife fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's that's one of the best things about Morhen hunting is like. I'll be driving the boat, and then William's up on the front, and he shoots one, and then there's another one running, and he can't get it, and I'm like trying to run from the back of the boat with the shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get that second or third one there while you're at it. Yeah, Uh, by by the way, if you've never hunted moorhen and you're thinking, well, they're not very big, I could probably take them with like six shots, seven and a half. No, 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 club up. Those (laughs) (laughs) those suckers will tote some lead, man. They will. Uh, I know that, you know, Rylan has had his first – True success in harvest this year, and he killed two squirrels. My mom made him a T-shirt that says "Squirrel Slayer" with a squirrel on the front. <laughs> <laughs> he wears it proudly. I think he, he wore it for about three days. Where I was like, "Son, that needs to go in the washing machine now." <laughs> hey, we we went to uh, to breakfast after church this past week, and the only thing he was concerned about at breakfast was he kept asking Grandpa, "Is my Squirrel Slayer shirt done?" <laughs> and dad's like nah i don't know i don't think it is yet i don't know i don't know so, if you guys know but uh moorhen coots when al and i went out we saw i don't know 300 coots so he said well i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna have to go go through this uh i don't know what we call them group group and he got seven with one shot Oh, oh yeah, Lord. we we shot some we shot some uh, ducks and then uh, Keith had shot. I think we had what maybe three. We three, had three more hen, and he goes, "Hey, do you want to just shoot one more and make it four, and then that way you take two and I take two and no, we'll coots, split the ducks." Coots. I'm I'm sorry, uh, coots. And uh, I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll do that." And so he's he's paddling, and we we get to this point where we're close to these um, more hen. I'm sorry, coots, and um, I take a shot. And I kill seven of them with one shot. And they're like laying on the water. I'm like, holy hell, that's got to be like a... Seven in the blow! Or something, man. <laughs> Your so, accuracy rating just went through the roof. <laughs> so we wanted to get one and ended up leaving with seven more. So, But, but hey. I mean, like we were looking at the, at the ones closer to the boat. I'm like, oh man, you got three. Oh wait, four. And it just keep going back and back and... 
And then when we're going, we're done for the day. We're going, we're paddling back. We're in a canoe, uh, paddling back to the to the boat ramp. We see two models. What twenty feet? I'm like, well, we can't shoot towards all the people, so we paddle around and came all the way around. So we were facing out away from the boat ramp. Both took a shot. Both got one. Happy days. Yeah. You guys have come. I mean. Keith's come a long way from about drowning himself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Will got to see the life preserver. He's like, that's the life vest, isn't it? I said, it is. Do you want to, do you, do you want to tell that story about how, and it all worked out, but you, you had, you had a pretty scary moment. Um, I did. It was my first season, uh, going duck hunting and I use a kayak. So it's a sit-in kayak. Nice and olive green, so the ducks can't see you. Um, I had and uh, talked with you a little bit before, and we were like, "What have you seen?" It, it, it's early, uh, early in the season. And you said, "You know, this certain lake I've seen this," and I've said, "Well, I've been to this lake, this lake, and this lake, and haven't seen anything." So I went out to to go uh, go try my luck out there, and you get there early in the morning. Calm as can be, no big deal. Get out to a spot where, you know, I knew the sun was behind my back. I saw where the wind was going, thought it was a great spot. Um, and the weather started changing. So it it wasn't bad weather, but it was getting a little bit windy. Saw a little bit, a little bit of a chop. I said, well, I need to get back before this weather kind of gets too bad. And, you know, I get into some trouble. Well, I was going around and paddling around one of the uh, kind of points that came about and could not get around it. Water starts coming over the bow. I said, well, this is not good. So turn it around, start coming back, and a wave comes, and it just swamps the whole boat. So at this point, I'm like, well, there goes the whole, there goes the whole um, kayak. It's a sit-in kayak. It's a little, a little bit difficult to stay oh, you, in it you're sit on top or sit in sit in so Ooh. once that water comes in the the kayaks unbalance it wants right. a flip over um so i flip over come out of the boat i'm like well this is really not good so as i'm kind of looking you know where's the shore where am i going to go i have one of those self self-inflating um life vests so that thing comes up, which was one of the things I've put in place. So if it happens, you know, this is able to, to keep me afloat. It's, it's a color that's not camo. It, it's, it makes good sense. Well, what happened was the wind, the waves pushed the kayak and myself into the reeds. Couldn't touch the bottom. Couldn't get through them to get to shore. So I'm like, well, this is not good. Um... So at that point, instead instead of trying to, you know, try and do it on my own, my phone's in one of those cases. Took that out. Tried to call nine one one, couldn't get through to nine one one. So I'm wow. like, hmm. Try so that's call my scary. Girl. Yeah, yeah. It, it just keeps dropping a call. So I'm in a different county than my girlfriend. I call her for whatever reason. I was able to get through to her. She was able to um, to call nine one one, 
uh, on a conference call, transferred it over to me. So within that time, because I had one of those GPS watches, I said, these are the coordinates. Write down the coordinates for the dispatcher. So she's talking to the dispatcher because they can hardly hear me because I'm, I'm breaking up. Uh, what I hear from the dispatcher is, what are those numbers? And she's like, that's the coordinates. And the dispatcher's like, what are coordinates? And I'm like, oh, this is not good at all. How do you not know what a we grid a coordinate idea. is? And you're a 911 <laughs> dispatcher. So, maps? so all I kept saying was, give it to the, give it to who's coming out. Give it to, like, that's what I was repeating. So at this point, they had deployed the, uh, the county sheriff on one boat from one ramp. And I didn't know this until they came through. There was another guy that was pulling out his boat and the, uh, the ambulance was, there was an ambulance on that boat ramp, which was the opposite side. He said, hey, I'll put my boat ramp back in. I saw this guy going, you know, I see his car. There weren't very many cars. Um, so this person who was not anything but the rescue uh, put his boat back in. This is a good Samaritan. He's good the man. Samaritan. He is. The man. Yeah. Because what had happened was I have those wet bags that I put on top of my kayak. Otherwise, you would have never seen me. Right. Because I'm in the reeds. It's all camouflaged. So these are bright orange and bright green. Put them on top so that I'm visible. Uh, I'm on the phone with dispatch. And I guess what happened was that the sheriff went one direction. These guys went the other in kind of a uh, in like sequence to go around the edge of the boat because she wasn't giving the coordinates, which I clearly, right. clearly had given. And I kept saying, just give it to the boat. Um, so whatever happened at that point, they must have gotten the coordinates, and they came right to me. Hmm. So I could hear them. And at that point, you know, I had been in the water for 90 minutes. Uh, I had waders on in the water, um, but, you know, the, the life preservers keep me afloat. They pulled me out, um, you know, and then you go, you go take a trip to the hospital and make sure you're not hyperthermic, which I was 86 degrees at my oh, core. Right, that's what I was going to say. That, that, t- that seemed to be missing a little bit from the story. Yeah. Is the danger wasn't drowning. Oh, no. Oh, it's hyperthermic. He's oh, stuck, yeah. Yeah. and he's wet, and the water's 50 degrees. And yeah. he's there for a long time. Lonely it, it, you, time. You people take for granted what it takes to become hypothermic, and like if if you were stuck in the middle of the summer in a in a, like the spring water on the Swanee River and you uh-uh. couldn't get out of there, you can become hypothermic in in those conditions. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. sixty eight right. degrees, and you can become hypothermic or something like that in, in relative temperature. Uh, and you know that we covered this. Uh, month or so ago it's like five degrees i think if you drop it you're you're there um i think i attribute that to i grew up in new jersey where uh if you go ice skating and it's not ice and it's real thin ice we were very well versed on what is hypothermia what are the signs so when i knew that i was in the water and i couldn't move that's what I was worried about. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't the drowning because I, I could have floated there all day, but I knew that the time that, you know, the time had started, I needed to get out of the water and I couldn't do it by myself. That That's a, you know, like I said, we covered this a, more than a month ago, um, but having something like an EPIRB or the Garmin InReach 
where you can send out that SOS signal, even if you can get a hold of nine one one, right? Because at least, especially with the Garmin, they're they're going to take your position, call your local sheriff's department or whatever, who, whatever is deemed necessary from that, and then dispatch them with your exact location. Right, and that that was not the saying yeah, not saying it would take them less than ninety minutes to get there, but. Right, because they're they're going along the shoreline. They're not getting a real good description. Uh, it was a Garmin watch, so it, I mean it was accurate. It was just a miscommunication where the dispatcher didn't understand those coordinates would have gotten them there very quickly. Right, um, because they were searching the shoreline. Because when you say I'm in the you know in the reeds, that's the entire shoreline. Well, when you're when you're using a system like the Garmin InReach. Mm-hmm. you're you're having someone call upon call on your behalf who is well versed in explaining the situation to right. a uh nine one one dispatcher gotcha that could get you, there. you know, that's I'm, surprising I'm, though that they don't have that that a dispatcher wouldn't have that training or knowledge to say oh yeah these are coordinates i know how to you know figure this out you know uh, i was thinking about all the things that he did right oh absolutely you know, nobody goes yeah. out and oh gee Keith, you got you swamped and you fell out of your boat well, shit, man, he didn't mean to. But then you look at all the other backup plans. First and foremost, he had a life preserver. And on top of that, he was actually wearing it because a lot of right. us, we don't. Um, the life preserver was the right color. He had bright bags because everything else that we're out there trying to do when we're duck hunting is to stay <laughs> oh, hide. Yeah. Hide. Um, and, and the biggest thing is the presence of mind because we're all guys and we don't get in trouble and we're just going to muscle our way out of it, is realizing early on, thinking about, I, admitting I'm stuck, I'm going to need help, and man, it's going to take him a while to get here. I better act now you're up until you're entirely exhausted. Because if he waits till he's 86 before he tries to make that phone call, just even having the president of, presence of mind to do the three-way call and trying to communicate, it's all starting to go downhill. And by the way, 86, if your core body temperature is 86, Keith, you probably already know this, man. You you were a lot worse off than you might want to admit. R- and, and I was, and especially like just doing the simple things of getting out of the clothing to, to I mean, you got to get out of the wet clothing because it's not something that's going to keep you warm. You need to do that. Those are things that I learned when I was a kid being in a northern state where it was muscle memory. I wasn't thinking. I just knew what I had to do, looking for the blanket in order to get, get me, get my temperature back, and then just letting them do what they need to do. Not not fighting uh, first responders, everything they did, not not questioning, and and I've seen that people are like, oh no, I'm fine. I'm like, do do whatever you need to do. Well, this the, the, what's crazy to think about this. If you're listening to this and you don't know where we're from, this happened in Florida. Yeah, yeah. This is not Nebraska, someplace where it's cold, cold in the wintertime. That this wasn't even Florida. a cold winter. No, it it was in the sixties that day. Yeah, you know, people laugh at sometimes scouts like, "Oh, Boy Scouts." He that whole motto about be prepared. That you know, asked Baden Powell, "Be prepared for what?" And he said anything. And you know, Keith keeps the scouts, and it's true. You know, and, and sometimes people laugh like, "Why'd you bring that?" Because I probably won't need it, but man, if I do, it might be the difference. And yeah. here, Jim makes fun of my Batman utility belt. <laughs> right be prepared I got one now too you got everything in there uh you gotta think though too i mean especially if you're from florida um growing up in florida you realize that even when summer comes around like right now today it was like 80 something degrees today is 
March 2nd, yeah. by the way. But it, it was yes. dang near 90 today. But it hasn't been hot enough, long enough, to where if you go get in the lake, the water's still going to be cold as shit. Oh, I don't know, man. When I dove in on the... On the uh, I went for a swim oh, that water on the wood right. box build. And it felt choice. <laughs> it probably on felt purpose, choice, but you're thinking if you're yeah, in a panic, that pr- that that water probably doesn't feel great if you're in a panic. Uh, yeah, probably not. Yeah. I don't think anything can feel great during a panic. Yeah. <laughs> That's the key is not to panic. But speaking of flipping boats in cold water. <laughs> we flipped our we're gonna we're gonna segue. Oh, you into flip out? Next segue into the Swanee hey, River before, fishing. Before we expedition. go into that, actually, speaking of the GPS and all, what about our giveaway on the page? We haven't talked God, about we, that. Lately. No, we haven't. Right. So I've still got a dang Garmin GPS and a half dozen wood duck decoys. If you'll invite all your friends to Unpersh Outdoor Nation. Oh, say, so dude, we're only six hundred people away from that. Yeah, when you reach two thousand members, it's giving away. We're, we're actually probably less than six hundred. Scott free. Yeah. Something like five fifty yeah. or something like that. Yeah, we're at one point four right now. I have to pull up a, an actual computer to see how many people are there, but Yeah, it's kinda of funny. We could be at one point four and one person, or we could be at one point one four nine nine. You know, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we're a little over five hundred people we've been giving away. You can't see it on the phone, you gotta see it on the on the actual uh desktop. But and we're not cheating either. We're not going out and paying ads and getting people to draw to our page. The people that are coming here are being invited by others who want to be part of this community and work hard and do the hard stuff and we do a little bit of air-conditioned conservation, but mainly what we're about is getting our hands dirty, and we want more people like that. I just, uh, want, to, I just want to point out, though, air-conditioned conservation, we don't even have air conditioning running right now. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, That was a big jump, though, when we first started that push. We, we gained followers quick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll keep growing. Anyway, back to the Swanee River Fishing Expedition, the fifth annual happening from <clears throat> the 3rd of May to the 7th. I do have to say that uh, if you've never, this is speaking from experience, not from me, but from last year's experience. If you've never kayaked before or canoed. Or swam. Or swam. <laughs> please please be a swim. swimmer. You should probably. No, no, Tristan. Yeah, oh, Tristan. Okay. You, you should probably swim. practice first because there was a uh, a brand new swimmer. Mr. Tristan canoe, Hopkins. Yeah, Mr. Tristan. Uh brand new swimmer and kayaker had just bought his kayak and decided that it was a good time to go uh flipped his kayak within what 100 yards 100 yards of, we, of, of me launching and, me and sydney had not even got in the canoe yet and i look up and go oh shit he just flipped over <laughs> and at that point i didn't know that he couldn't swim i just thought he was being safe wearing a life jacket and then i'm like we got to get over there and help him so we Scat ass, get over there. And he's like, I can't swim. I'm like, oh, Lord, here this goes. <laughs> so I'm like, just. You going to learn now. But listen. <laughs> I said, hold, I said, I said, you know what's hold, funny? Hold on, we'll get you over By there. the end of the trip, <clears throat> Tristan did have a, has a, had a pretty good grab on how to swim. That's, that's thanks and to Jim. Thanks to Jim. Jim was over there giving swimming lessons in the spring. Float. And, uh, <laughs> and then, but by the end of that, what really like the most improved with the award goes to Tristan. Here he is 200 yards behind everybody. Just laid out flat on top of that kayak. Taking that. No, out. He, he was in front of us. Oh, was we he? was he trying was to catch, right? we was trying to catch up to him. We're hollering at him and everything. He just laid out. Taking a nap, taking, taking a nap, and passed out. And I first and then, <laughs> I've never seen somebody who is an absolute zero swimmer who yet still remains largely fearless of the water. 
Because he went, he also did that swim yeah. through in uh, whatever spring. You know, it's like most people that can't swim, especially if they're adults, man, they don't they won't get within a hundred yards of water. Don't think that he was completely fearless of that hole because by the time he went to the second one, he looked like you had dunked a cat in the water. I mean like <laughs> his eyes were the size of golf balls. And he did not want to go through them again. He held on to you the whole time though, didn't he? It wasn't. No, me. it was it was Sydney. He oh, held Sydney? on to Sydney, okay. yeah. And then as soon as he came out that second hole, he's like, Where's my life jacket? Where's my life jacket? Because he took it off to swim under. That's a good point because we'd be we'd be three hours into camp and he'd still have his life jacket on. <laughs> That's one thing I remember about him is he always had the life jacket. Even when we were in camp and hanging out, and he, I would say, you can take that off. I mean, he's like, no, nah, I'll keep it on. He'd go to, get, go to get in his hammock at night, want to lay in there with it. And it's like, dude, just take take it off. Take it off. I'm pretty sure we let him sleep in it the first, the first yeah, camp. Well, night, yeah. Right. Well, he, the first night, he, he just slept anywhere the, the – the whiskey let him up. Yeah. <laughs> Old zigzag. <laughs> the first night, the first night it was, he he had got into uh, the whiskey a little heavy and William, he went in there to use the bathroom. William said, hey, y'all better go in there and pull that couch out before he sleeps in somebody's bed. No, no, no. What I said was, you better go in there and pull that, that it's a pullout couch to make it into a bed. I said, you better make that into a bed before he passes out on that couch and we lose the whole bed. Because he got up, went in the bathroom, and he ran in there, pulled it into a bed. Tristan walked out and went, Mmm, bed. Bam, passed out right there on the <laughs> And then pr- probably I'd say 45 minutes later, all of us go to bed. Will climbs on the pull-out couch with him. Me, Adam, Jordan, we go to our bedrooms, and we're just laying there. And we hear, let it go, let it go, let it go. And we're like, what's going on out here? It's like, he won't let my damn sleeping bag go. He tried to have my sleeping bag opened up like a blanket, and then Tristan comes out and tries to steal it from me. Uh, no, not gonna happen. I had to. I fought him hard for that thing. Sleeping bag. And then Will ended up zipping it up and getting inside. Man, I saw that shit show coming. Just went right out to the porch and went to sleep out there because I was like, this, "There's no sleep to be had in there." None. I'm sleeping on my hammock in my hammock on the porch this year. I'm not dealing. That's with what that Sydney crap. did. Yeah. Oh man, but it was. It's a really fun time, man. And I, I have never the amount of like just soul rejuvenation you get out of that trip that takes the second day the first day it's all fun oh yeah no the first but you're still you're still well not just the work because the first day is kind of long but you're still kind of connected to the fact that yesterday i was at work but once you get about halfway through the second day you get that feel i mean let's face it if it if that river was 300 to 400 miles long, we might still be out there. You maybe some of us might choose not to come back. I mean, it is yeah. right. Pretty you dang it, long, it, you yeah. are just detached from everything. Well, I, I wouldn't say detached because the first day we're paddling and we just see this random guy on on the bank. Oh yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. But you don't know how far he drove to get to that. But I had told so the first year we had done it, um, I had kind of admittedly put off like taking time off and uh i just told my work i was like listen i'm not gonna be here it was like right before and they're like what and i'm like yeah i'm not coming in and uh but i went on it and i told william after because william was supposed to come and after that was when we just hired on yeah yeah and uh i told william after i was like dude you have to come next year because it is literally like it's some at some point it, it's a, there's a little bit of work like Jim said, but by the end of it, it's good work. Though. Yeah, by the end of it, you're like, can we 
like maybe go another yeah, five days. Another yeah, because <laughs> it 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 is just a complete escape to me. I, I mean, to me, I feel like it's a complete escape. Well, Steve Christian said that he'd do ten. I was gonna say, what if what if we one year I would we just do jumped off and did a, a ten day, hundred mile trip? Man, I don't know. I wouldn't even. I'm not opposed to the idea. The problem is just getting the time off of work, and right. also the permissions of yeah. the family. I drop up there, Kingfisher Landing in Georgia, and ro- run that thing through the Oki Finoke. We'd have to, you know, probably portage around the rapids up there by White Springs, but <sighs> I'd run that thing all the way to Branford. That'd be 150 I, mile. I would love, I would love to uh, one year start this in 50 miles at a time, start at the top and work our way all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Man, I, I think the problem would come with getting Branford towards the Gulf. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I think po- the problem with, point, once you hit Branford, the river gets to where it's kind of populated, and, so and you deal with a lot of powerboats at that point. Yeah. Okay. That's when you just take up after Gene. Get your trolling yeah. motor hey, over there. Listen, my boat doesn't have a motor on it anymore. We may just trailer it out there and float down the river on hey, it. Hey, I, I <laughs> there you go. I, I said the, I'd bring my, my John boat. Yeah. And speaking of Gene, by the way, the first time he did that, Gene Gene is. 74 so and the first right year there. gene went he paddled his ass the entire time no motor pa- pause it right mm-hmm. there because you if you're thinking this is a young man's trip yeah it's it's evenly mixed between from about 25 to mid 70s there have been teenagers on the trip i did it with boy scouts but like right Josh, last one he went on, but he our was trip seventeen. Yeah. He was on the first. He was on the first UPO trip, man. He was seventeen, uh, or no? Well, that's, I guess it was kind of in that transition. But the first one that we're counting of the five, Josh was on it. He was seventeen, and Gene was sixty nine. I think the first time he went and he paddled, and it rained all five days. And I don't mean wow. like hey, I rain. no, I mean like you may as well just gotten in the shower. We were we were blessed trip. with beautiful weather last yeah. year, except for that uh, that Saturday, that last night when we paddled five miles past. I'm everybody. not gonna lie, that was kind of our fault though, because we could have been in the camp. Yeah, we could have been at the camp, yeah. but it was so much better sleeping on the bank that night. My intention this year is to do the exact same thing. Yeah, at the exact same spot. In my Probably opinion. close I mean, to it, yeah, because it was a good setup. You had your little trail up to the top of the bluff. Everybody had a spot laid out. There was a little fire spot there already. Not that it, it was. It was. Uh, you get your one night of really roughing it. If the weather's right, I, w- I would do it again. Yeah. In the upper river, we've done it where we spent most nights out on the bank. Yeah. It's really cool, man. And it's, it's it all depends. Beautiful. It can be eighty-six degrees the entire trip, or it can be in the sixties the entire trip. The night that, the, the, fortunately, the year that we spent all the time in the banks, it was downright chilly. And uh, we built fires, and when we we actually needed fires, up until the time we got in the sleeping bags. Um, so you, just, you never really know, man. You when you come, it's you gotta you gotta watch. You really gotta look at the weather before you leave, and you yeah. gotta be prepared for that one night where it might drop to forty-seven. Oh yeah, 100%. yeah. Go ahead, man. Bring that Tell sweater. <laughs> Listen, okay. So I said we we have a Zoom meeting before this starts. We say, hey, make sure you bring enough because it could be cold at night. What did Matt bring to sleep in? Go ahead, Matt. A bed sheet. Brought a bed sheet because I was like, yeah, it ain't going to be that cold. But I will say that was the first night. 
the last night we slept on the bank, I slept with a fan on my chest blowing in my face. It was so yeah. hot. Listen, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I will tell you, I did the same thing Matt did the first year. I think I actually had a sleeping bag, though. But I was cold as I slept in my blue jeans and everything because it was so cold that I got out of bed and got dressed again just so that I could stay warmer. And I'd said on the Zoom call to everybody, I was like, hey, listen, at night, it gets cold. So bring stuff to keep warm at night. I woke up. At Matt like, didn't listen. I woke up at like four in the morning to go pee. And and Matt goes, hey, can you turn that ceiling fan off? I was like, Matt, I, I don't know that turning the ceiling fan off is really going to help you because I can see my breath. He's like, just please turn it off. But luckily, I got a phone call out the next day, and Jake Bigby brought me a sleeping bag. So I was good, good. man. You were dominant, but Al, you, you go up there with your buddy Mike Goss. He's yeah. been on two or three years now, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the same same amount I've been on. And uh, this year, uh, my father-in-law wanted to come on the trip because he'd seen all the posts and all the pictures. Nice. And he's like, man, I got to get on that trip. So this year, he wanted to go, and I told Mike, I was like, man father-in-law wants to go we got to, you know sorry he's like i I get it i get it he goes you know what i'm gonna ask my my buddy alex and so mike's gonna be canoeing with his buddy alex and then me and my father-in-law will be on a canoe i see Um, is is it both you guys you're you're both doing the three day this year not the five day yeah 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 Yeah, but y'all show up with steaks and stuff yeah this year so we're gonna need y'all show up the night before for supper with the steaks and all yeah you know (laughs) well last last uh last year we brought um the Italian, uh, the Italian sausage, sausage. Yeah. and that was good. And uh, who brought the uh, all the venison burgers? The one of me those, and Jordan. Man, those, yeah. those were fantastic. Those were great. And uh, the potatoes we had. That was Jake, uh, all ten pounds. <laughs> so that's the other. That's the other thing some. about the trip. I don't think. No, we, that was we, Steve we, brought the potatoes. Jake just that. But Jake ate a lot of the potatoes. But Jake, Jake also ate a lot, ate of, a lot of the hamburger raw. We cooked it. Yeah. Well, well, Jake brought Jake when he showed up that night. He said, "I brought potatoes and picks up a ten pound bag." <laughs> oh, I believe that was Jake. Okay, I thought it was Steve brought the taters. I think we all ate good, and yeah. I know Justin Olson's been kind of saying, "Hey, we got to figure out the food and all that." And we just, I don't know, somehow we it all just came together, and everyone ate pretty good. I think. Well, that all came together because you know. We sat there with the Zoom call, and we're like, okay, this night we're going to do this. Who wants to bring this? This night we're right. going to eat fish we caught. This night we're going to do And, you know, we kind of eat the fish we catch every other night. That way we make sure we have enough to feed the whole group, no matter who catches what. And it worked out. But we ate way. those 10 pounds of taters cut into home fries. In no, one cut night. No, cut into slice like they were They were like potato chips. Crisps. They, yeah. But they some of them were crispy and some of them weren't. And I was like, "How are we gonna eat all? We ate all ten pounds in one sitting, except for the one and potato. All of the fish, yeah. except for the one potato yeah. that got left on top of the empty bottle of Tito's uh, for the potato Is guys. The cork? Hope to make, yeah, hope to, <laughs> hoping to make more vodka. <laughs> Listen, but when you say we ate ten pounds of potatoes, don't think that we ate ten pounds of fried potatoes because there was a lot of those potatoes that got ate raw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, there was." We probably ate nine and a half pounds of fried taters. They were good. And I had was, a burger. Mine was cooked. All I remember I, is walking back up. Jake's over there calling dogs. And this girl's walking by that's camping there. And Jim goes, don't worry. He's always like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was, that was, by the way, that was the same. 
That was an interesting night. That was the same night where I was going to say the Tyler was like, we can overpower them. So we got <laughs> we got Jake passed that out also, the dirt, eating raw meat, caveman. That was also the same night <laughs> going the, to war. the beer expedition. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that night, our, our, our trip turned basically into Lord of the Flies. <laughs> it definitely did. <laughs> out of beer, out of Copenhagen. Oh, everybody man. was out of everything. Yeah. So poor Keith, you know, we we do that trip in May, and I just realized that Keith, you know, he's a school teacher, and yep. he, you know, that we're doing that when he's gearing up for the hardcore testing. We probably ought to maybe move it next year, <laughs> maybe run one right after school gets out. But then you, you brawling with Boy Scouts for camp. Yeah, but here's and, a, here's a trick though. But here's a trick though. If we go for the harder trip and go further north. I think we'd be we'd probably have less of an issue with with Boy Scouts and and other people. <clears throat> yeah, if you do then then well, even if we don't go all the way to even if you don't go <coughs> all the way to Okie Finoki, yeah, you, yeah, if you, you go just a do the upper, north. yeah, the upper will have fewer Scouts on it, and um, 